God bless you. Good morning. morning. It's a good day to be alive, isn't it? How many of you would rather be here than in jail? Let's see your hands. How many of you? Any of you here ever been in jail? All right, got a couple guys back here toward the back. (laughs) Probably staff members, right? (laughs) Well, I am sure that many of the folks that are not in here that will need would, I'd like to say this too, but I want to go on record as saying how wonderful the conference has been, how hospitable the people have been toward us personally, and uh, it's just been wonderful. It really has. And I want to thank Brother Keith and, of course, Deborah for making it possible. And also for introducing me to the college several years ago. Uh, Dr. Iyer himself has been a friend of ours for 25 years and been a good influence on our son. When I think of the Weaver family, I think of one word, pleasant. It's good to be around and nice to be around. And I'm so honored to, to be here with you. I count a great, great joy. I want to share a quick blessing with you. I just received on my phone this morning a, a uh, video. Two years ago when I was here, a gentleman out of your church contacted us about it. We, we, our church prints scriptures. We print, uh, uh, we print 28 different languages, do about uh, uh, 2,000 a day. He contacted me about some scriptures for El Salvador. And he, I got to meet him this week. I can't think of his name right now, but I got to meet him this week. And I got a video this morning that they're unloading 300,000 scriptures there in El Salvador yesterday. And I got the video. And just, it just thrilled my heart a little bit. We're able to do that. Well, you've been to church a lot this week, haven't you? A lot, yeah. And, you know, you do that. I heard the story about a little boy. Well, we turn to Acts chapter 20. That's in the New Testament for some of us. Uh, Dr. R would know. And uh, I love having a good time, so I'll pick on somebody, I promise you. Little boy had gone to church one morning, and man, the preacher preached two days that morning. Man, he preached for a long time. Little boy finally looked up at his mom and said, Mom, is it dark outside yet? He said, No, son, it's just about one o'clock. So they go home. This is during World War II when it's all taking place. So they go home, and after a few hours, she said, Son, we're going back to church tonight. I said, Tonight, Mama? Said, yeah, that's right, tonight we're going to church. And so they go back to church, and that that evening, that man, he preached, he, and he preached a long, long sermon. And the little boy said, Mom, says, is it daylight outside yet? <laughs> said, no, son. Says, it's just about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Said, we'll be home. Said, get home. Well, like, again, I told you, it was during the World War II period of time. And uh, so he gets home. He said, Mom, said, I noticed up in the church there was three flags in the church service, three flags. So what were they, Mama? Well, I said, one of them was the American flag. One of them was a Christian flag. Another was a flag for the men who died in service. Little boy said, they die in the morning service or the evening service? (laughs) Now we're just about done. (laughs) So don't die on me yet, all right? (laughs) Don't die on me yet. Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, please. All right. If you'll notice with me now, I'm going to cut out reading some of the verses, but just take your Bible, notice with me. Do you notice in verse number one, after the, after the uproar was ceased. Would you say that with me? And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples. He embraced them and departed for to go to Macedonia. When he had gone over those parts and was given, had given them much, what did he give them? Much what? Exhortation. He came into Greece. And then you'll see him greeting some friends, being here at three months. In verse number three, he's there three months. He greets some friends. Verse number six, And I love this little phrase. 
And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And we came unto them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continue his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in the window a certain young man named Eutychus. He had been very tired from studying for a test. Being fallen down deep, being fallen down into a deep sleep, as Paul was long preaching, he sank down with sleep and fell down in the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him and said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was once uh, came up again, had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while until the break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive. We're not a little comforted. Father, I want to be a blessing. I can't do that to Holy Spirit's help. I want to be a help to each one that's here. Let me do that. I pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. In just a few short verses here in our text this morning, you'll find Paul's a few days here. He's a few days there. He's a few months here. Isn't it amazing how an obituary can capture 90 years of life in that much of space? writing of their lives. He's here a few days. He's gone a few days. He's just passing through. That's what I'll talk to you about this morning. You're just passing through. That's what you are. You're on a trip. You're just passing through. That's what we're doing. A few days, uh, you know, at home after you're born. Kindergarten a few days. A few days of grammar school and high school, college Fuse attending here, a few years on the staff. It goes quick, doesn't it? I, I, I didn't think I'd ever live to be the age I am. I, I'm 78 years of age. I know I don't look that. But, but please don't tell me how old I look. Please don't keep that to yourself. But uh, uh, it just goes quickly, doesn't it? Can you believe all the years have gone? Can you believe how quickly they've gone? I guess. Gone so quickly. And so is your life. I heard the story years ago, and I told often about a, a man that was traveling one day, very weary and very tarsome. And he's on a bicycle trying to get home and he pulls over to a rest area. <clears throat> At the rest area, there's a family there on, uh, on vacation and, uh, and he's this older man, his, ba- his uh, station wagon is loaded down. And uh, so they get to talking though. And the man on the bicycle says, sir, I said, I am totally wore out. He said, if you don't mind, would you do, let me do something? I want to tie my bicycle to the back of your tr- vehicle. You have a hitch there on it. And now you just go slow. I know you won't go fast. You got your family. You're on a station wagon. And I'll just ride my bicycle behind you. You can pull me down the road. And said, and if I need something, I'll just honk my horn on my bicycle. And the guy said, that's great. We'll do that. Well, they pull up on the road. They're doing good. And all of a sudden, some teenagers pull up beside this man in the station wagon in a hot rod. They start making fun of this older man. But won't that old jalopy go any faster than that? And he got irritated with him. And he forgot about the man on the back. And he floored that station wagon. When he did, he was going down the road 70 miles an hour. A policeman on his radar machine is up over a highway there, over a bridge, and he's, 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 he's shooting with his uh, traffic gun how fast they're going. And he, what he gets on the radio of another patrolman down the road said, Sir, said, listen to me, you're not going to believe what I've just seen. He said, there's a station wagon racing a sports car down the highway 70 miles an hour. And the policeman on the other line said, what's unusual about that? He said, nothing. This is a guy on a bicycle behind him, hawking his horn, trying to get the right away. That's what's amazing. <laughs> he was just passing through. Can I get a witness? 
That's what I'm just doing. That's what you are. I want to tell you about, if I can, briefly, and I'll be brief as I can, what Paul did while he was passing through. First thing he did, we had you, had you say this with me, in verse number one, after the uproar was ceased. He did not let difficulties stop him. You know, there's many things that when I went to Bible school that they taught me about, but they never taught me about business meetings. They never taught me about all the difficulties that one may happen to face in your life, you know, but they come, they're there. They're never, they, and, and those things are, I guess, would be hard to, to, to discuss. I had a pastor friend of mine years ago when he went to a church, he said they voted on everything. He said they had to spit almost in their church voting on what toilet tissue to buy. They called the issue of the tissue. <laughs> they called it for years. And oftentimes that happens in life. You're going to have difficulties. It's going to come your way. You, you, you can't live without them. And God sends them for a good purpose for us to help us, to mature us, to keep us how, how we need us, help in his power. But they come your way. And when you find those difficulties, you've got to say, put them behind you and go on, right? I like, I like this. I'll just, just, just do this. You, you've heard this. Remember when Paul escaped the shipwreck? He started to pick up some uh, bundle of sticks and a snake bit him. What do you do? And that's what I tell people sometimes, just do this, shake it off. Like Dr. Sis said the other morning, take a baby aspirin and get over it <laughs> and go on because you have difficulties in your life. I never will forget years ago, and I may have told you this the last time, I don't recall. I was baptizing one Sunday morning and we had a, a lady in our church that adopted a couple of boys. Uh, and uh, we were, I was talking, the heat, one of them was in the water standing here with me. He's probably eight or nine, maybe 10 years of age. And I'm talking about how wonderful it was that they adopted him, how good he was, had it done. And I was talking, not paying attention. And I looked down, he was gone. He was under the water swimming. So I grabbed him and said, I baptized him, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His little brother standing on the, cor- on the side of the baptistry. I said, he said, is it my time preacher? He said, yes. He dove in like a frog, just dove in the water. <laughs> I said all that to say this, we're still baptizing. You don't let difficulties stop you in life whatsoever. What I'm just saying, you, you've got to learn, you're just passing through. The measure of the greatness of man can be measured, what it takes to stop him. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't you turn back. Don't you quit. You may be a third year freshman, but you can finish. Amen? The second thing I want to tell you this, not only you don't give up in troubles, learn to be a friend to each other. It says in our text that Paul embraced them he encourages them. I'm going to tell you this. More preachers will die of a broken heart than they will a big head. So learn to encourage each other. You know, envy is a terrible thing. And sometimes uh, preachers have to deal with envy. And students, no doubt. But everyone needs an encouragement in their life. Encouragement. I don't know if anyone doesn't need any encouragement. Not one person at all. I don't know. Need some encouragement. And you need to learn in, in your lifetime to learn to be encouraging others. <laughs> I'm fortunate to be able, because of our printing ministry, to travel quite a few places. But I never forget my first time in, in Romania. I got over there in Romania. And this big old guy, I mean, he's big. He, he was, he's real big. He walks up to me and he kisses me. Well, I hadn't had to happen before, not with, from a man. It's not a real good thing to do today, for sure. Amen? But anyway, I back off and look at him. He comes and he kisses me again. I said, ain't we want to stop this? So I just kissed him. That stopped it, I guarantee you. <laughs> we embraced each other. And you've got to learn to be encouraging to other people in your life. And, you'll, you'll, and that ministry of encouragement is a great ministry to do, to encourage each other, to encourage each other in the Lord. Uh, years ago, our family, uh, I have uh, 
I have five boys, and I'm excuse me, I have five children. All of them are boys, but three. Come on, come on. You'll catch on quicker. We'll get done quicker. <laughs> but we were having a family get together, and uh, we were eating Ritz crackers, and uh, we'd eaten about a whole pack of Ritz crackers. There's three stacks in them, right? We didn't. We'd, eat, we'd eaten quite a few of them. There was about maybe a, maybe there's about a, a pack left of the, of the whole thing, and we was eating Ritz crackers. My little daughter Leah Grace, she's there with us, and she's having Ritz crackers with us. She's got one in her hand. She says, "Daddy, can I have some more Ritz crackers?" And I said, honey, listen to me. I said, you've had enough. Don't you think so? And she said, she took the one in her hand. She held it to me. She said, daddy said, this one needs a friend. <laughs> Guess what she got? The whole pack. Amen. <laughs> learn to encourage each other. Learn to, say, learn to just be there for folks. You can't, be, you can't be helping other people. Investing in their lives. We'll come to that in a minute again. Here's the third thing. Don't give up on the house of God. You'll find Paul here in church. The best things ever happened to me happened to me in church. I got saved there. I got called to preach there. I got married there to my wife who's with me today. 55 years we've been married. And uh, I got married there. I get encouragement there. I get help there. I, I'm, I'm just glad they said to me, let's go to the house of God. And don't, don't give up on the house of God. So many people are doing that today. Uh, changing their names and changing their how they, things they, places they go to. But we, we, have a, we have a place that we worship God at. It's called the house of God. And I'm, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing that we have. Amen? Wonderful thing. Here, here, I, should have, I should have titled this point, Don't Fall Out of Church. Because we had a man in this, in this text that fell out of church. Did he fall out of church? Answer me. And the reason he fell out, he was too close to where he got in. Years ago, Lee Robertson would come to Charleston, West Virginia. And Pat Withrow there run a, camp, a, a homeless shelter like for men. And what uh, Dr. Robertson would tell this story, he said, when I would go there, one of the men would come to the airport to pick me up. One of the men would come to take me to preach. One of the men would come. And he said, sometimes be the same man. Because every time when Pat Withrow would come with him, he would say to this man uh, that's driving the vehicle, said, tell Dr. Robertson how you got saved. He said, every time. It may be the same guy and tell me the same story. He said, and so one day he said, I asked Pat Withrow, Dr. Robinson said, he said, why do you have him do that? He says, because if he remembers where he got in, he's not likely to get out. Where were you when you got saved by the grace of God? I was on my way to hell. I was pastoring a Baptist church, going to a Baptist college. And realized that profession of faith that I made when I was eight years of age, that someone, uh, and I, I can't tell you the story, whole story, don't need to led me in something that I didn't know what I was doing. Their tension was good. Their tension wasn't bad. Then I found out, listen to me, it's not worth going to hell over being a preacher. And I got saved. I got saved on a Saturday night about 8.20 when someone was preaching R.G.'s Lee messages on God's, God's three deadlines. And I got saved. I didn't know what God wanted me to do after that. I kind of figured, what am I going to do? I've got a church I pastor. They're expecting me to preach in the morning, right? So I go over there on that Sunday morning and uh, I say, folks, <laughs> I got saved last night. And I said, I don't know exactly what the Lord wants me to do. And I said, I'm not really, I don't know, I'll have this thing going on. I just want to tell you, you need to know Christ. You can't go to heaven without Jesus. The treasure of our church got saved this morning. 
a Sunday school teacher got saved that morning. And a young boy got saved that morning. And I said, I think I'll just stay with it then. Amen. Yeah. You just stay in God's house. You, you don't fall out of church. My guess, so many people think they're going to find something better. You won't find anything any better than God's people that learn to accept you and love you and care for you. Well, you're just passing through. Is that right? Yeah. Not long, are we? And gone. School year will be gone before you know it. Here's the next thing I want to tell you. Don't give up on preaching. Paul preached. He preached. A, he was, it, was a, it was the kind of preaching. He was long preaching. That's what it says. I'm going to tell you this. I know this for sure. After 57 years of trying to preach, the word of God will get the job done. You say, well, I'm pastor of the Dry Bones Baptist Church. That's all right. Ezekiel was the first pastor there. Amen. He did all right, didn't he? With the word of God and preaching, it'll get the job done. That's what it'll do. Years ago, <clears throat> I have the privilege. I've been preaching in jails for all, ever since my ministry started out. Jails and street corners is where I started. That's where folks, some folks think I need to be today. But I'd gone out to, uh, to Watburg Jail. And uh, first time I'd ever gone by myself. You just send someone with you. And I didn't know anything about personal soul winning. I didn't know anything about uh, anything. Didn't know nothing. I, I hadn't preached but me one time. And, they, and they, I take them up to the jump. They lock me in the cell with a guy and walk away. And I'm, I'm just young. I'm 21, 21 years old. He's sitting on his bed and I'm sitting up here. And, and I, I've seen him do this. So I just did. I said, anybody here got a song you want to sing? He raises his hand. That's what you do, right? And we sing Amazing Grace. We got through singing. I said, anybody got a prayer request? He raises his hand. He said, pray for my mother. I pray for his mother. I get through all of that. And I preach. But <laughs> gets. And I said, head bowed, eyes closed. I said, what you do at a church? Come on, sir. And I said, anybody here? Not sure if you die, you go to heaven, raise your hand. He raises his hand. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about personal evangelism. So he raised his hand. I said, okay, head bowed, eyes closed. We're going to sing one verse of a song. Anybody here want to get saved? Come forward. I started singing. I think I sang just as I am part of it. He gets out of the bed, gets toward the front, and I do whatever preacher does. When somebody comes forward, I said, what'd you come for? <laughs> he said, I want to get saved. We, he got saved. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I went back to the church and everybody in Watburg jail got saved tonight. Amen. And they did because you don't give up on preaching. I was preaching at Brushy Mountain Prison, a well-known prison. Uh, there's a man, if I mentioned his name, everybody in the world would know this man's name. I got a chance to witness to him twice. And the two times I witnessed to him, he never said one word back to me. We were preaching in a, in a one morning was in a meeting, had 84 men in a section, not much larger than this first section here. It was jam packed with men. And the man in charge of the meeting said, Brother Walsh said, I think you ought to preach this morning. And I tried to stay ready. So I got and read Romans 1.16. I'm ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation. I'm ashamed of the person of the gospel. Got to one point. All of a sudden, the man from the back got up and started walking down the front. When he got closer to me, you'd see that sin had taken a scar on his life. Someone had taken a knife and cut him down through here. And it just sewed his eye up. He had one eye. And he said, Preacher, if you don't mind, could I go ahead and just get, go ahead and get saved now? He knelt and trusted Christ to save him. We hooked up like a caboose, preached some more, some more got saved. You don't give up on preaching. You'll get the job done. 
I have so many things I can tell you about that. And excuse me for being, if this sounds vain to you, I hope it's not. Our church is so blessed. We print the word of God. And because of our connections here with this place from a few years ago, we've been able to give a million scriptures to missionaries out of your church. And we plan on helping this dear brother here with the same thing. And we're looking forward to it. And we're privileged to do it. We're blessed to be able to do it. Can I just show you one more thing? And I've only got uh, one more point here. We should be done plenty of time. Uh, John chapter 8. This is amazing. And while you turn to John chapter 8, I'll probably end up rambling some again. Do you remember when Philip, uh, the Ethiopian, went down to Jerusalem to worship? He was coming back and reading, reading Isaiah's prophecy. Do you remember that? If you do, say amen. I have a question about that. Where did he get that, where did he get that book of Isaiah? The church there at Jerusalem had been printing them, I believe. Remember, the man of God was told to give himself continually to the prayer and to the word of God. Someone made a man a copy. He gave him a copy of God's word. That's what we're trying to do. John chapter 8, something very amazing. But don't give up on preaching. Look with me, please, in verse number 8, John 8, 8. What's interesting, Jesus wrote on the ground, and then he got up and spoke to them, right? Jesus got wrote on the ground, then he got up and spoke to them. But this time, he's going to ride on the ground. He's not going to say a word. But listen what the Bible says, John 8, 8. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it. The written word, they heard it. Because it will speak to you. Will it not? Have you not been times you've just been reading and all of a sudden God said, wow. You say, wow. Have you ever do this? You ever been studying all of a sudden you can't sit still and you get out of your seat? You get up and have to walk around a little bit to, to get, get so happy and get so blessed by God's word. It does something to you. That's God's word speaking to you. You don't give up on God's word. You're just passing through. You're just passing through. All right. Let me give you one final thing here. Get involved in the life of others. You're just passing through. Here's why. And this young man fell out of the window, right? These, this dear missionary here this morning, other missionaries, and even the conference. And by the way, I'm glad the conference had, had a special emphasis on missions. You, you don't see that much at conferences anymore. Missions and soul winning. And that's good. That's what we need again in America. We need that again. Well, honestly, we do. And uh, here's this young man here. He's fallen out of a window. And falling out of the window, uh, Paul is going to look and see he has a need. You're never, going to get, you're never going to do anything till you see a need. Help me with this verse. Where there is no vision, what happens? Take one letter out of that, and this is what you've got. Here there is no, people, no vision, and the people perish. So you need to have a vision. And Paul saw the need. The second thing, if you're going to, if you're going to invest your life in other people, and help them, you're just passing through. You've got to go to where they are. The good Samaritan went to where that man was. Others passed him by. You've got to go where they are. How many of you know this? They're not going to pack up and come in. You've got to go get them. Yeah. Don't you? That's not, I mean, we live in a very small town, but we still, we still go get them every week. Several times a week, we've got to go get them. Because we know they're not going to come unless we go get them. And here's the last thing I want to say about this, and I've got one sworn I'm through. Is, whew, this is good. 
Paul saw more in him than anybody else saw. They said he's dead. And Paul said, no, his life's still in him. I want to say glory to God for something. I'm glad that God saw more in me. Anybody else ever saw. I pastored a church where I grew up as a boy. You're talking about a situation. And I wasn't a good teenager when I was going there. As a matter of fact, I would often throw the books they'd give us for Sunday school out the window so I could excuse myself to go get it and go ride horses during the rest of the Sunday school hour. Because we lived out in a rural area. And I'd go do that. I did that for about, I guess, five weeks. My daddy caught me. I didn't ride nothing for two months. Long time ago. It was back when Abraham Lincoln was president. Can I tell you that people are valuable. What Christ did for them. You've been bought with a price. You're not redeemed by silver and gold. Received by tradition for your fathers. With the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. You're gracious to listen. Hope it's been a blessing to you. I had, uh, in my lifetime of growing up, I had uh, two sisters and two brothers. All of them are deceased now. I had a brother named Tommy. Tommy, at the age of four or five years of age, developed mental retardation because of a high fever that he had, and he couldn't get the fever down in time, and it, it affected his mentality. Tommy went to school through the ninth grade, <clears throat> and uh, it was back in those days when you reached a certain age, they just passed you whether you could, whether you could actually do the work or not. And uh, I got in more fights at school over Tommy than about anything because people make fun of him. They'd, I just made me mad. I just fought him. And uh, I'm not uh, very active today, but I would advise you to do that around me now. Okay. Thank you, sir. <laughs> And by the way, if a fight does break out, I'm on Brother Mark's side. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Back in 1985, quickly, I'd been pastor three, three years at Mount Pisgah. My mother developed bone cancer. and She couldn't take care of Tommy anymore. <clears throat> and I should have been there earlier than that. And I go down to get Tommy and at the house where he's living and he's, un- un- he's not able to control any of his functions of his body and mom often had to clean him up and I told her I said mom it's come for me to tell me to take care of my brother she couldn't say much about it because she was too ill and I remember walking down to the basement where he was he was in his bed he had messed all over himself that's the best way I can say it to you so I reach over my arms, I pick him up, take him into a shower, give him a shower. Put him in my car. I'm taking him to where my wife and I live and our kids. He couldn't talk plain. <clears throat> He'd say, who's going to feed me? And I said, I am. He said, who's going to Take me to the doctor. I said, I am. Who's going to take care of me? I said, I am. And <clears throat> we get over there and I take him in the room and get him in the room where he's going to be staying. And I walk out and get in my car. 
And all of a sudden, I break down. Just like a little child. I start crying. Because I look back and remember the time when I was in the filth of my sin. Thank God Jesus passed by. Got in where I was at. Lifted me out of it. Washed me in his blood. I'm traveling to his house. On the way, I've often said, who's going to feed me? He says, I am. Who's going to take care of me? He says, I am. I am. You're just passing through. But you got someone going to pass through with you. He's always there the now. He's always the I am. He will take care of you. I often conclude my sermons with this. He's a wonderful Savior. You think so? You know so? Say it with me. He is a what? Wonderful Savior. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You're, you're such a gracious young people to listen. I want to encourage you this morning. You've come and you've prayed a lot. <clears throat> There's something you're going through and you want God to help you with. Just say, Lord, I'm passing through. Help me now with this. Is there someone that you necessarily have on your heart that you see they have a need? The Holy Spirit of God lets you pray for them this morning. Some, some dedication of life. Well, you know what I should have mentioned? I'm so sad about this. I should have mentioned twice in that passage of Scripture, they broke bread. You want to never forget you're passing through the sacrifice Jesus Christ made for you. You're just passing through. So in your heart, something you want to speak with God about, talk with him about, I want you to feel free to do so. Thanks again for your kindness. I'm honored to be here. Let's